What a, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord and to be singing with the saints. Thank you for doing that with us. If you have a copy of God's Word, I would invite you to open it with me to Matthew chapter 28, the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. In chapter 28, I am very excited to preach the Word of God to you today. Uh, and if you're a guest with us today, and even if you're here all the time, I want to just make this abundantly clear from the very beginning of our message. I'm not here today to give you some sort of epic presentation. You have not shown up to like an Easter TED Talk, all right? Like that's not what we're about, that, that's not the vibe of this room. Uh, but, but what we are here to do is to open up the Word of God together. And here's what we believe about the Word of God. We believe that every time we open the Bible, that the Word of God says about itself that the Word of God is living and active. So every time we open up the Bible, we believe God stands ready to speak to us in a real way. So what's happening right here in this moment is that you and I have this absolutely mind-blowing privilege to meet with God as he speaks to us through his word. So this is something we take very seriously, and uh, obviously I have prepared, as the Lord calls pastors to do, but ultimately this time is not about you, and it's not about me, it's not dependent on us, but I'm utterly convinced that as we open up the word of God, that God stands ready to do work in and through his people. So that's what we're going to do today, and as we read the word and study it together, uh, I pray that the Lord would speak to us and that he would challenge us and change us and make us the men and women he wants us to be. So uh, we're going to pray before we dive into the scripture and ask for the Lord's help. Lord, I just thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment that you have created, God, for us to come and meet with you as we open up your word and study and think about the resurrection and what the resurrection means for us. So God, I pray that you would use this word as you would. God, that it would touch every single heart in this room, that it would meet people where they are, and that God, we would not leave this room the same way we showed up. So Lord, would you speak to our hearts today, and we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to read the first 10 verses of the scripture. It says this, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. That's, that's something to say after you've come back to life. That's just, <laughs> what's up? And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So what we're going to see through this text today 
is that experiencing Easter means worshiping and proclaiming a risen Savior. So that's it. Right out of the gate, I've already, we're not burying the lead. That is what I want you to leave believing and understanding today. That to truly experience this Easter in all of its glory and all of its awesomeness, you need to worship and proclaim our risen Savior. So I hope that truth will become evident to us as we walk through Matthew 8 together. So Matthew chapter 27 ended in a very dramatic way. The story of Jesus' crucifixion, death, and burial was told in vivid detail. And then at the end of verse 66, it says that they rolled the stone in front of the grave and set somebody up to guard it. You could imagine if you were a filmmaker that you would probably do a shot similar to what Jessica has created for our sermon background today from inside the tomb and verse 66 is ending as the stone slowly rolls and then you have a blank screen and then for a few beats there is nothing but darkness. But then the lights come up and we're in a new scene and the first thing that we discover in this text is a ritual observed. A ritual observed. So the lights come up and we find two women. By the way, you know the Bible, this super oppressive sexist book, has two women as the key pivotal characters in the most climactic story in the entire scriptures. That's astounding to me. And really, this is more amazing than you might even think, because in this time, women were not even allowed to be witnesses in court cases because they were not considered reliable. It wasn't considered reliable testimony, yet here we find these women, the first to see the resurrected Savior. I just think that's really cool. So we find Mary Magdalene, a dear friend and follower of Jesus, and then Mary, the mother of James one of the disciples, and they had waited until the Sabbath was over because good Jewish people didn't work on the Sabbath. But as soon as sundown comes, they're gathering spices and ointment and all of that stuff to go and treat the body of Jesus. This was, according to other gospel accounts, we see that happening and even here in this text. They were doing what people did in this situation. This was just their custom. This was what happened in these situations. The religious and societal norms, this was it. They're just doing their thing. When a loved one died, this was what happened. They had been through the trauma of seeing Jesus arrested, tortured, beaten, whipped within an inch of his life, and then having to carry his own cross up the hill called Golgotha, where he was then nailed to that cross. They heard him call out to his heavenly father, They saw the guards stick the spear in his side. They heard him and saw him breathe his last. So here they are doing what you do after you've been through a traumatic and difficult situation. When a loved one dies, they were just observing the rituals that they had learned throughout their entire life. By the way, I just want to throw this out there. There's nothing particularly wrong with traditions and rituals. Can I just say I am thankful for those? Because especially, man, when you're going through it like these ladies were, sometimes the rituals and traditions are the only things that keep us putting one foot in front of the other, right? Like it's the only thing that keeps us moving. It's like, man, I'm thankful we have these things. But but there's also some danger in rituals and traditions, primarily this, that if we're not careful, rituals put us on autopilot. And, And while we're certainly not in the same position these women were in, I think there's a truth here for us to consider on this Easter Sunday. 
If there is a religious ritual that our culture here in America still abides in today, it would be Easter Sunday, right? Like, this is Super Bowl Sunday for churches. Like, this is just how we we do, right? Uh, The entire church comes. In fact, our attendance today will be like 150% of its normal. And that's just what happens. We all come to church. We get our best clothes. We we buy a new fishing shirt. Uh, We (laughs) Y'all... You're welcome. I didn't go Columbia, all right? This is Magellan, just a little stuff. Not Columbia. Maybe Christmas. Uh, maybe Christmas I'll upgrade to Columbia. But if you don't, that's, that joke was just for fishing shirt people. You're welcome. But we just kind of do what we do, right? Like, like we're gonna, you're, you're gonna try to make sure that, that you get a, the cute family picture today so you can get it perfect. You're gonna have to take like 25 to even get one that's maybe good. But then when you get that, you're gonna post that bad boy to social media and you're gonna you know, get the perfect hashtag going and all that. And, and here's what I wanna tell you. We're all about that and we love these traditions. We love that you are here. I was pumped to see some of you walk in that I knew were gonna be here today with your families. And I'm just so glad that you're here hanging out with us. In fact, here's your hashtag, Easter at Crossroad. There you go. Hashtag Easter at Crossroad. So, so again, we're not against that. Like we are all for that. But what I want to tell you is that if we're not careful, Resurrection Day becomes something that we just do on autopilot. We, we come in, we check off the church box and move on to the rest of our day. You see, Mary and Mary didn't go to the tomb to experience Jesus. They were just doing what they were supposed to do. Some of you are here today observing Easter, and to be honest, you did not come today expecting to encounter the risen Savior. You just came here because Granny wanted you to. You just came here because this is what your family does every single Easter. You just came here because you grew up in church and like Easter is what you're supposed to do. Or, or, or maybe you're here because you just kind of wanted to check out this whole church thing today. And you're here in this moment. And here's my prayer today is that every single one of us would move from a place of just observing a religious ritual to instead experiencing Jesus in a real and powerful way. But listen, here's the thing. Like, this isn't something that we can just whip up, right? Like, I wish we could. Like, it's like, well, that last song was good. Can y'all come sing it a couple more times and see if we can experience Jesus, right? Like, it's like trying to maybe perfect the recipe and see if we can make it happen. Let me just let you behind the scenes a little bit today. Churches all across America this morning are working super hard to create an absolutely incredible, quote-unquote, Easter experience. We want to design videos, songs, lights, and the message all around giving you an amazing experience today. And I think it's really easy for us as pastors and ministry leaders to get so consumed with creating an experience that we forget that this whole thing isn't about you or us. It's all about the risen Savior. And Jesus can't be controlled by videos, right? You can't show enough cool videos. You can't make the lights and the fog go enough. Like you can't, you know, have the epic songs. Like you can't do all of that and create an Easter experience. If it was that easy, then we would just, you know, perfect the recipe and get a pastor with skinny jeans. By the way, if I keep eating Reese's eggs at the quantity I am right now, all of my jeans are going to be skinny jeans. (laughs) 
That is not in my notes. Let me just uh, strike that for the next service. But, but if it was this easy to just create an experience, like if we just had to get the recipe right, then we would just get the recipe right, and then all of a sudden, we would find ourselves just making it work, and then we would just build franchise churches all over the country. Admittedly, there are some churches trying to do that today, but what I want to tell you is that it's possible to create an experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're truly experiencing Jesus. Have you ever been to a concert and had an experience, but it wasn't anything about Jesus? It's like I was at a Coldplay concert and I felt the Lord. Some of you are like, Coldplay, I'm going to have to go back to bands from older days. I'm sorry. Where's Gary? Gary, give me a band. Okay, anyways. Like we can create an experience, but having an experience isn't the same as experiencing Jesus. But when we open his word and let him speak, here's what we know. Our sovereign Lord shows up when his people come together and seek him. So the scene shifts from a ritual observed now to an experience with Jesus. An experience with Jesus. So here are these women full of sorrow, pain, and suffering going to take care of their loved one's body when all of a sudden, bam, the Lord shows up. And I love this. Verse 2 says, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone, and sat on it. Pastor Rick, can we do that next year for Easter? Like, that would be epic, right? Imagine, that's a Resurrection Sunday experience right there. An obvious display of the power and glory of the Lord. The guards fall down like dead men. The women fall down in worship. And the angel says, don't be afraid. And I love verse 6. He is not here, for he is risen. So they look in the tomb, and Jesus is gone. By the way, this is an important note that I think is really cool. The angel didn't roll the stone away so Jesus could get out. The angel rolled the stone away so the disciples and followers could get in. And see that it was empty. Like Jesus didn't need an assist, okay? Like he was gone already. Was gone. So Mary and Mary are amazed and they run to tell the disciples. And verse 9 says, and behold, again that word behold, Jesus is there. And he says greetings. I want to note this word behold because it's used in the text twice. That's intentional by the writer Matthew saying that these, both of these moments are God moments that only he could do. So first it's behold, the stone rolled away, lightning from the sky, an angel sitting on top of the stone. And now we have behold, the Savior is here standing in their midst. This is an obvious picture of the power and glory of God. I talked earlier about trying to create an experience, but can I just tell you that only the Lord is capable of creating behold moments. We can try all we want, and, and I gotta tell you, I have been praying all week that for some of you, this would be the day that the reality of the risen Savior would hit your head and your heart, and that you would recognize that Jesus is really alive. 
that the angel would roll away whatever stone uh, that is covering your eyes from being able to see the risen Savior for who he is. Just as he rolled it away so the disciples could get into the empty tomb, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would roll away whatever it is that is stopping you from realizing the power of the empty tomb and the resurrected Savior this day. I believe God wants to do something in your life. Because friends, hear me when I say this, Easter isn't meant to be observed, it's meant to be experienced. And if you've never experienced the resurrected Savior, today might be the day that changes your life forever. This Jesus, the Son of God, was born of a virgin, and he lived a perfect life, yet on the original Good Friday, he was nailed to a cross because the Jewish religious leaders wanted him dead, because Rome wanted him dead. But what was actually happening behind the scenes is that this was part of God's plan, because as Jesus hung on that cross, the Bible tells us that the wrath of God that you and I deserved because we are sinners was poured out upon Jesus and he took the punishment for the sin of all humanity upon his shoulders and he died on that cross, taking the death that you and I deserve. But the reason we're here to celebrate today is that three days later, God raised him up from the dead, victorious over sin and death. We really believe that, by the way. And if we don't believe that, this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. Waste every single one of your Sundays. You ought to be playing golf if you don't believe that Jesus really died and rose from the dead. But we believe this. And because we believe this, this is the crazy part to me. This this resurrected Savior invites you and me to come and worship. To come and worship. The resurrected Savior meets us on the road, and uh, here we are, just going about our lives, doing your Easter thing, and all of a sudden, bam, the Lord shows up. You were just trying to come and check church off your list and move on with life, but the Lord is here giving you an opportunity to change your life forever, an opportunity to come and worship The resurrected Savior invites us to come and experience his resurrection. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And our sin comes at a cost. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. So the reality is that all of us are spiritually dead apart from Jesus. Spiritual death kind of looks a couple of different ways. Like right now, if you are not in Christ, you are spiritually dead. That means you are separated from the God who created you to worship him and enjoy him forever. And can I tell you how that kind of shakes out in your life? You might be able to fake it most of the time, but there are moments where you recognize all is not well in my life. I am not who I need to be, and I feel like something is missing in my life. Can I tell you that is the Lord's grace calling you and drawing you to him. But even more concerning is the fact that if you die apart from Christ, then here's what waits for you. Eternal death and eternal separation from God. That's the eventual destination for those who have sinned against him. But friends, this is where the good news of the gospel comes in and this invitation to come and worship Jesus John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. God loves us so much that he made a way for us to be right with him. And that way is the way that we celebrate today. Salvation is available to those who will come and worship Jesus today. When you experience Jesus, when you surrender your life to him, in that very moment, his death becomes your death. His resurrection becomes your resurrection. And your life becomes a life of worshiping Jesus. If you feel the Lord calling you today, I want to invite you to respond to him. We're going to have pastors at the end of the service who are available to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus and surrender your life to him. If you don't want to talk here now, you can email us at connect at crossroad.live and we want to talk to you about what it means to know and follow Jesus. But here's what I also know. Easter Sunday, a bunch of you in here right now are thinking, it's really good that he's preaching this message because there's a lot of sinners who need to hear this. Oh, the classic church people response. But friends, hear me. This message is for you. It's for you. Don't miss the call to this passage. Even those of you who are in Christ today, can I just tell you it's so easy to find yourself worshiping other things. You find yourself, instead of at the feet of Jesus, you find yourself at the feet of our culture, at the feet of money, at the feet even of family, like things that aren't necessarily bad things, but we worship the, the things that God created instead of using the things he created to point us to the creator. And, and listen, I gotta tell you, I'm not an angel today, but the word angel literally means messenger. So if I could just be an angel for just a moment, can I tell you what the angel said in Matthew 28, but straight to your heart today, he is not here. He is risen and because of that, the call is to seek the things that are above. Colossians 3.1, we're going to start a brand new series in the book of Colossians next week, by the way. That's just a quick commercial, but back to our sermon. Colossians 3.1 says, if then you have been raised with Christ, so if you're saved, seek the things that are above where Christ is. So can I tell you what would change your life this Easter? is if you started actually believing in the reality of the resurrection in such a way that caused you to seek the things that are above. He is not here. He is risen. So church, we ought to be a people who are always looking up when our culture is dragging us down, when the world is in the dumps. We ought to be a positive people because when things are looking down, no matter how down they may get, can I tell you, if you are in Christ, things are looking up because you ought to be looking up because that's where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And because of the resurrection, that's where you and I are going to be. A resurrected people should look wildly different than the rest of the world. That leads us to our last truth. Experiencing Easter, experiencing Jesus means coming and worshiping, but it also means we go and tell. We go and tell. We proclaim this good news. In verse 10, as the women are worshiping Jesus, what does he say? Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, for there they will see me. For the record, that, that is what 
happened when they eventually got to Galilee. Jesus showed up to many of them before Galilee, but in Galilee, we're told that like 500 people saw the resurrected Savior. Like, that's, that's wild. Corinthians references that. Like, Paul's like, yeah, the resurrection really happened. Why don't you ask some of those people that saw him? They're still alive. I, I want to just tell you, why did Christianity happen? Why is this a thing? Because Jesus was really alive. And enough people saw him, touched him, heard him. That no matter how hard the religious leaders tried to stop it, no matter how many people the governments killed, they were sold out because they believed Jesus really died and really rose again because they had seen it. So Jesus says to these women who were the first to encounter the resurrected Savior, go and tell So again, not to keep beating that drum, but the first people to see the resurrected Savior, women. The first messengers of the gospel, the the good news that Jesus was alive, were women. And you and I today are called to carry on their legacy. If you have experienced the risen Savior, the call is to proclaim this good news to every single person you encounter. I'm always humbled and amazed when I think about this day and this day in history as I ponder what Easter Sunday means to us. That these historical events actually occurred and that here we are a couple thousand years later in our seats with our Bibles in our laps or on our apps or on the screen behind me studying and pondering this same Jesus that walked out of that grave. And these ladies told the disciples. The disciples began to tell each other. Eventually there's 500 people who see him in Galilee. Jesus ascends into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. And then we have in Acts chapter 2, about a couple hundred of the disciples are praying and seeking the Lord when the Holy Spirit of God, God's presence comes down and indwells them. And then the church begins and a couple hundred people becomes a few thousand people, becomes thousands upon thousands of people. And the wild multiplication begins to take root. And before you know it, Christianity is a massive movement unlike anything the world has seen before. And I think if we're not careful, we forget there was massive opposition to Christianity. It was insane. The the culture, the governments, the religious authorities, they all wanted Christianity to go away, but they could not kill this movement. I mean, heck, they tried to kill the founder and he came back to life. So they couldn't stop this movement. And all of his followers saw that and believed that. And they knew that even if you killed them, their risen Savior would raise them up. So so here's the question. Do you want to see revival in our church? Do you want to see revival in our city and in our communities and in our nation? Can I tell you where it starts? It starts with living in the reality of the resurrection. And you've heard this morning that living in the reality of the resurrection means worshiping Jesus and proclaiming Jesus. You might be overwhelmed with all that right now, and you may be thinking, whew, that's classic preacher talk. We can change the world. Next Sunday, I'll tell you that again. We'll repeat until you die. I'm just trying to say what some of you are thinking. Somewhere along the way, we quit believing that that could actually happen. 
But can I tell you, like some of you are thinking, oh, so I guess I got to become some kind of crazy person. Listen, Mary and Mary didn't like write a book called Resurrection. We were there. Hashtag girl boss, resurrection. They didn't go on a national book tour, book signing event. They didn't start preaching and teaching in all the churches around there. What did they do? They told the first people they saw. That they went to their friends and said, Jesus is alive. So here's, here's what I want to tell you. And this is, this is the secret that actually would change the world if we would believe it. Do you want to change the world? You be changed. Come and worship Jesus. And start telling the people in your life about Jesus. That's the radical plan. Start at home. Parents in this room, listen, your primary mission field are your children if you have them. You need to be pouring into them. You need to be telling them about Jesus. You need to be raising them up in the ways of the Lord. And then you've got your family around you, your extended family. And then you've got your friends that you spend time with. You've got coworkers, people that have, you have relationships with. Listen, you have a realm of influence. And I know that I tell you this all the time. But, but here's the great tragedy. Some of you are going to die, and I'm going to have the privilege of preaching your funeral. And after what I'm about to say, you're like, I'm getting Pastor Brad to do it. But you're going to die, and I'm going to be preaching your funeral, and that's going to be the first time that some of your coworkers and friends hear the gospel. Now, you listen to me. You better believe when that day comes, you're not going to be worried about it anymore, but I'm going to preach the gospel that day. But here's my question. Why wait for that moment for your friends and family to hear about your faith? Can I just tell you something? There are people that God has put in your life that you could reach that I would never, as a pastor, be able to talk to about Jesus. But God has uniquely given each of you in this room a realm of influence that you could have significant impact. And as we begin to do that, can I tell you what happens? The same ridiculous multiplication that we see happening in the New Testament. Mary and Mary just told the first people they saw and God began to do an incredible work. If you want to change the world, it starts with living in the reality of the resurrection. Stop observing Easter and instead today start experiencing the resurrection. And when you experience the resurrection, you will worship and proclaim the risen Savior. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful for your word. We're thankful for the message that it gives us today. And God, we just want to ask that you would help seal this in our heads and our hearts right now, Lord. That by your grace, you would help us know that this is not just a religious ritual. This is not just a church service. This isn't just a thing we do. But God, you are a real and living God who wants to come and be our Lord and Savior. You want to have a personal relationship with us. So God, I, I pray for two groups of people in this room. First, I, I pray for those who maybe are here and they don't know you. And today you have been moving in their heart as, as you, you have proclaimed the gospel through me, your messenger, and through your word today, God. And I pray that if there's anybody in here who needs to surrender their life to you, that today would be the day of salvation, that you would give them boldness to come and pray with Pastor Lyle or myself, or, or to send that email this afternoon, Lord. 
But God, I also pray for my friends in this room who I know know you, but Lord, the reality is it's so easy to find ourselves worshiping things that are not you. So on this Resurrection Sunday, may we be reminded of the faith that you instilled in us. Some people in this room, when they were kids, they gave their life to you. Some people, they've only been saved a few months or a few years, but God, every single one of us, would you just remind us of the reality of the resurrection in a real way today? God, help us to respond in a way that brings you honor and glory. 